There we go. You can hear me now. We're going to play a song if you didn't hear any of that. Okay. <laughs> Time again, feeling like I failed you. I've let down a friend. My heart is tried it on my own, ended up in pieces. Nothing good to show. I need you. What if your love? Bigger than my mess What if your grace Can heal my brokenness In all the world and universe You specialize in failures And Lord, you're gracious and you take my mess and nail it to a cross. There is healing in your wounds, forgiveness for the sinner, mercy leads me to. Repentance I'll turn my face to find A father who is gracious No anger in your eyes But mercy What if your love Is bigger than my mess What if your grace Can heal my brokenness In all the world and universe, you specialize in failures, and though you are gracious, and you take my mess, you nail it to a cross. about it, his love and his grace 
is bigger than our mess. And I spoke on grace a few weeks back, and actually I hope every message that we bring is laced with grace. Um, so we're looking at Acts. Um, Felix spoke the first part of chapter 16. I'm going to look at the second part. And um, it's about seizing every single opportunity. That's what my title is going to be. So uh, let me read from Acts 16. Apologies, it's not going to be behind me, so you're going to just have to listen in. Okay, so Acts 16, if you've got Bibles or apps on your phones, you're welcome to follow. So Acts 16, 16 to 34. So this just describes a day with Paul and Silas. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. But when her owners saw that, uh, so there were some owners that kind of used this slave girl uh, to profit from her, to be like a, a fortune teller. But when the owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they're disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in in attacking them, and the magistrates tore their garments off and gave orders to beat them with rods. This is not a good day for them, is it? And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison. It gets worse, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. At about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake. It gets worse. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened. And everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he was responsible for these men. And he'd probably be killed anyway if he let them uh, escape. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called, for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him, and all who were with his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. 
Then he brought them up into his house, set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. So um, I'm not sure. I'm just going to grab my water. I'm not sure how you think this year is going to pan out. Hopefully it doesn't feed back. I'm not sure if you're going in optimistically into 2019. Maybe you're full of faith and anticipation about what God might do. Maybe you're full of dread and a foreboding sense of what might God do (laughs) is coming over you. Whatever your response is, this morning I want to try and help you change your perspective or whatever may be hurled at you this year, you can have a different outlook. And despite whatever chaos may come, God can still use you in that moment. So we can often have, like has already been mentioned, different uh, New Year's resolutions and But I really want to press this morning that whether it's raining or shining, blessings or disasters, whether you're fat or thin, sick or well, educated, uneducated, rich or poor, God wants to speak through each and every one of you, despite your situation, despite your circumstances. And actually, he can speak in and through your chaos as he did in the passage that we just read. You may have noticed, um, as we're going through Acts, that as we partner with the Holy Spirit, it's like it's a a spiritual sat-nav, where God leads us and guides us in different ways. In the passage that Felix spoke on last week, in verse uh, 6 of chapter 16, it says, They went through the region of Phrygia, and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And then further on it says, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. And so you see what I'm saying? So the Holy Spirit, when we walk with him, he leads us in places to go and not to go. However, I want to draw out that Paul and his team, as he often worked with others, were led into situations and to people that might not have been on his final destination. But along the way, he met people like this slave girl, like this prison guard, that weren't on his route plan. So often we can get distracted by the journey as we focus on the final destination. I don't want us to, as a church, miss out on what God's got us God for us, with people along the way. If we're just too focused on where we want to go. I know sometimes I can be uh, guilty of that, and I can be so set by a task or a project that I, I miss interacting with the people around me, often hurting needy people around me, and I can miss that. For example... The other day, when we had our carol service, we had our plan, we had our structure, we knew what we were doing. 
But halfway through, I don't know if anyone noticed, a young teenage lad ran in through the middle of the service, started shouting something, disrupted things. We had a whole group of teenagers looking through, probably egging him on to come and run in. What was our response to that? That wasn't part of our plan. But did you kind of get angry and think, we need to put this boy in his place? We need to put this right. This is disrupting our service. Or did you think, hey, this is an opportunity to display the love of Christ to a group of teenagers? Are you smiling, honey? Is it one of your friends? (laughs) That was an opportunity, wasn't it? I mean, me and Keith did try and stop him at the door, but he was set on leaving. But there was an opportunity there just to invite them in and say, you know, you can hear the gospel. We can give you something that's going to change your life. But if we were set on our program, we could have shut the doors and said, no, this isn't for you. Okay, just to decide. Let us never become so set on doing church that we miss the people. God is bringing across our path on the way. On actually sat-navs, you can... Um, and on Google Maps, you can put in a, a setting where it will alert you to local attractions and local interests. My, my, my kind of encouragement that we would adjust our settings, our spiritual sat-navs, that we would be alert to local interests, local people that God might put along our way. I was looking at Google Maps and I put in coffee shops the other day. And guess what comes up first if you put in Google Maps for ch- coffee shops in Chertsey? Yes, it's here. <laughs> wow. So um, that's great, isn't it? I read some of the messages and it said uh, something along the lines of, I found a local gem. And I don't think they were intending to come here, but they just found and stumbled across it. And I just think for us, wouldn't it be great, as we've adjusted our spiritual sat-navs, that we'll be sharing, hey, guess what? I wasn't planning to find this person, but I found a local gem in a person, in a family. I believe we've already found in this last year. I'm thrilled with the people that God has entrusted with us in this last year. I feel actually that Beacon is in, a, in an ex- extraordinary time of favour from God. He's entrusting with us many people in many different ways through all the different things that we're involved with. And I just want to make sure that you've got your eyes open and your spiritual satnavs alert to the people around us that God is giving us through all the things that we do through Revive during the week, through Sunday mornings, people just visiting us, through food banks, through Little Lights, through Eat Well, Spend Less, the list goes on. We do lots, and God is giving us loads, and I want you to all be caught up in this exciting journey with me and others. So uh, I've got two kind of areas that I want to pull out of this passage. First one, part one, who is... God leading you today outside the church? And part two, who is God leading you today inside the church? Very simple. I could stop there, but I will elaborate a little bit. Okay, 
So I believe there are people here waiting for a different season, waiting for a different day, when things get better, when circumstances are at optimum, when everything is aligned. Young people, you may be saying, maybe when I'm older. Old people, you may be saying, when I feel a bit younger. (laughs) On that, actually, I just want to share a lovely celebration story that I've got. Someone earlier in the year came to me and said, I don't know how God wants to use me. I'm getting old a bit. And uh, I just don't know my place and purpose in the church. And then just before Christmas, this wonderful woman in our church, I will name her, Sybil, she came to me and said, Nathan, I've been thinking and praying about it. I can't do too much now physically, but I want to do what I can. Please can I come along to your lunchtime Christianity Explored course and just be involved. I just simply love sharing the gospel with people. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? So that's someone that's caught this vision of how God can use any of us. I'm not saying her life is a mess. No way. But I'm saying whatever our circumstances, please don't give any excuse for God using you. Okay. If we settle and resign ourselves to any inactivity in not being alert to what God's doing. If we're paralysed just to not getting involved, it actually puts a big smile on the enemy's face because we're no threat to him, we're no danger to him. But I believe, as Paul does, he encouraged us, he encouraged the church in Colossae he says this in verse 4 in Colossians 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 5. He says, walk in wisdom with outsiders. Walk in wisdom with outsiders, making the best use of the time. Making the best use of the time. And then in the NLV it says, make the most of every opportunity. God wants to use you and speak through you. He wants to speak through your mess and your chaos. Not despite your mess, but in your mess that surrounds you. In the verse 26 of the passage I read, it says this, And suddenly there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. So you can imagine the scene as this earthquake happened. There's a, the whole ground was shaking, bricks were coming loose, the shackles were coming loose, the hinges of the doors were coming loose, there was noise, there was dust, there was screaming, a little bit chaotic. But moments before, Paul and Silas were just there praying and praising God. They may have been praying, Lord, get us out of this prison. And suddenly, there appears to be this opportunity where the doors are open and there's freedom. But what do they decide to do? They stay. Why do you think they stay? I think one of the reasons they stayed is because Actually, they were living in the place of freedom already. They were spiritually free. Yes, they were in a physical prison, but they were 
Spiritually, they were free. But they were alert to the people around them, weren't they? They were alert to the prison guard who, yes, in the natural sense, he was a free man. But they saw that spiritually he was bound up. He was imprisoned. And they saw this opportunity. So um, what initially can seem evil and not God's plan, i.e. a slave girl, fortune teller, hurling a kind of abuse and just taunting them, being beaten up by the crowds, being imprisoned. God ultimately used that whole situation for good and won a whole family to Christ. There may be some here that uh, you do know the Lord and it's just because of your current circumstances you have stepped back and uh, you step back from getting involved and you've excluded yourself. You may have come up with many reasons, excuses. But if Paul had stepped back in that moment... That prison guard could have driven his knife through his own body. It wasn't a time to step back, was it? He shouted, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. That jailer and his family would not have been rescued that evening and baptised into the name of Jesus if Paul hadn't have stepped out. He could have selfishly just slipped out of the doors that were open. But no, he he had God's agenda in that moment. On this subject, I, I do feel actually that God's plan may not be to set you free from your circumstances at this moment. And some of you just need to hear that. But actually, in your circumstances, he wants to use you for his kingdom purposes. So maybe ask yourself this morning, is God leading me to someone in my circumstances that he wants me to bring to a place of freedom. Um, many years ago, uh, a decade, probably more, I was in another job, not my last job. Job before, I felt trapped. I think I may have told you the story before. I felt trapped in my job. I, the, the company was on a decline. People were being made redundant monthly. I could see this was not going anywhere, and I wanted out. I was going for lots of interviews. It wasn't good. I wasn't getting any offers for jobs. I didn't understand it. I was praying, Lord, I want out. This is not good. This is not helpful. And um, we got down to almost half a dozen left in the company. And, uh, and then one moment, I, uh, one afternoon, a woman phoned me up. She said, I don't know you. I'm uh, Ian's wife. Um, but I've been praying for you because I know you're a Christian and I believe you've got a purpose uh, in this company. 
I believe you need to speak to my husband, who wasn't a Christian. Okay. Felt a little bit of pressure. (laughs) So anyway, that afternoon, I went over to this guy, Ian. I did know, but not very well. And I didn't really mince my words too much. I just kind of said, I didn't even mention that his wife had phoned me. I thought that was a little bit weird. (laughs) So I I just said uh, something along the lines of, has, has anyone ever told you the gospel? And he looked at me a bit confused. And uh, he, he kind of fumbled something out, and it wasn't the gospel. I said, can I give you the gospel? And so I just very plainly and simply gave him the gospel. Anyway, uh, to cut a long story short, he became a Christian. And uh, a few months later, I was holding his towel at his baptism at St. Andrew's Church in uh, Chorleywood. And uh, it was wonderful. So that's just an example of how God can use you in your circumstances. I wish I've got a more recent example of that, because I keep using that one. I need a new one, but anyway. So I felt when preparing this, I feel someone here is, uh, yeah, I don't know if in my workplace now that's going to be the same. But anyway, I hope not. Uh, I, feel, I feel someone here... Um, is asking God for a way out of their situation. Just as Paul and Silas may have been in that prison. And actually there's a few options being presented to you. The doors have been flung open and there's a few options available to you. But actually I just felt to say to you this morning, they're not from God, those options. Um, I will say it actually one of them is suicide and one of them is divorce or separation they are not options from God for you this morning, today but I do believe God wants to show you his alternative plan for you in your situation. I believe there is a freedom for you and for others in your situation. And maybe if that is you, we would love to pray with you later. So I just want to really encourage people here for you to see the people around you with fresh eyes. See the people around you, here and outside, with fresh eyes. And consider that the circumstances you're in, you're in for a particular divine purpose and plan to bring certain individuals to Christ. Paul certainly appreciated the urgency of the hour in his situation. And I want to kind of impress upon you the urgency of the hour as well. This isn't something to be putting off. 
Let's see the hurting and prison people, the lost people around us each day. At uh, prayer and fasting recently that I went to, someone opened the section of prayer and he said, God is moving, which I think we can see, God is moving, but the situation is critical. We are, we're, we're the ones that need to be shouting out in the prisons, do not hurt yourself, we are here. Do not hurt yourself. Beacon Church is here for you. As I mentioned earlier, I think we're just in a beautiful season of being entrusted with many people. And um, the opportunities are increasing. Let's not uh, get so consumed with our praying and singing hymns, just as Paul did, that's not wrong. But if they just carried on praying and singing hymns while everything else was going to chaos around them, they've missed the point, haven't they? Let's not just be absorbed with coming here on a Sunday and praying and singing hymns while everything around, around us is falling down. So, yeah, just this thing on urgency. In Matthew 24, we're reminded of the urgency to be ready because we do not know when Christ will return. And uh, it compares it to a thief coming in the night, but it also compares it to the flood, doesn't it? Let me read from Matthew 24, 38 to 42. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in, in marriage, until the, do- the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will it be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two men, sorry, two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know on what day the Lord is coming. I just find it interesting as I read that passage that there's it's two people working together, doing very everyday things, grinding at the mill. And one's taken and one is left. I just thought that was another encouragement, just to share with the ones that you're working with, share with those colleagues, share with those people that you do life with. Let's just keep sharing the simple message of faith. Actually, we can make it very complicated, but it is as simple as saying, have you heard the gospel message? We don't have faith in our own clever words, but we do have faith in this good news. That's where the power is. As just a little aside... uh, Let's not get into any unhelpful kind of wranglings about who's chosen and who's not chosen and kind of election and predestination. I think if we start going down, even considering those things, and it starts to relax our urgency, we've missed the point a little bit. I don't think in the moment Paul was uh, considering whether God was uh, elected or chosen by God. You know, that isn't our 
place to be doing that. It's the Father that chooses. And, um, and, it, and it's the Son who actually paid the sacrifice. And it's the Holy Spirit that comes and convicts people of sin. They're not our responsibility. We just convey the message. So um, I think it's just wonderful that in God's divine plan that he chooses to partner with us, isn't it? It's, he could have done it a different way, but we get to work with the Holy Spirit in this wonderful call to make disciples of all nations. So when Paul steps out in this very simple way, stop, don't harm yourself, it led to him sharing the gospel, and then a whole family came to know the Lord and were baptised. Who wants to see whole families come to know the Lord here in Chertsey? Why don't we just stand for a moment, actually, and pray for more families to come to know the Lord? In 2019, for whole families to come in, not just individuals, raise our voices together and ask that whole families would come to know you. Great, you can sit down now. As we heard earlier, our prayers are powerful and effective. Anne was restored to good health through prayer. We're not just praying up to the ceiling. We're praying to our Heavenly Father seated on the throne. Okay. Looking forward to seeing what families we're going to get joining us this year. Okay. So my second part of the the talk this morning was uh, who is God leading you today inside the church? Who are you teamed with? Paul, throughout Acts, was always teamed with someone. Always partnered with someone. We can see how he worked with Barnabas in Antioch and, and with Silas in Philippi. Because he realized that he could reach more people in a team than he could isolated on his own. He realized his own limitations. He realized the task was just too big to just do something on his own. So it's essential that we carry on training up, equipping and releasing people in our church. We want men and women to carry this work together. Amen? And that's what we're doing. This was the eldership team. We're expanding the team in expectation of God bringing in more and more folk to us. I'm so grateful, and I think you are, that being a Christian isn't an isolated task. We're brought into a family, we're brought into a body, we're brought into a team, not just with the Holy Spirit, but with one another, meaningful team together. And often the church is referred to as the body, isn't it, where each part has its own unique place and role and purpose, working together for the good of one another, to building up, for building up of one another so I'll just really put it out there. Are you in team with Beacon Church as a whole? Are you connected to us in the team in a meaningful way as a whole? But individually, how are you connected in into meaningful relationships with people? 
like Paul was. Paul said of Timothy, he said in chapter 16, Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. Who do you want to accompany you? There's so many different ways that you can get involved. Um, I won't go into them now, but if you do want to get connected in in different ways, we've got Connect cards even, which you can fill in, and we will help you. Speak to your Connect group leader, and they will maybe advise you of different things you can do. But it is so important that you do get meaningfully connected in, in, a different, in different ways. It could be serving drinks, it could be at Little Lights, it could be Food Bank, it could be... I don't want to name things. I don't want to put restrictions on what you might be able to... how you might be able to team with people. But I do want you all to be really intentional about approaching individuals, just as Paul was. Be intentional about approaching individuals, about saying, can I come alongside you and work you in with that? Maybe you see people doing things here and say, can I just do something alongside you. I'd love to learn from you and uh, team with you in that. Uh, later in, in 2 Timothy 4.2, it says, we read about how Paul is teaching and discipling uh, Timothy. And he says this to Timothy, his spiritual son. He says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. Who are you saying this to? I want you to fulfill your ministry. Who's saying it to you? Who's saying to you, I want you to fulfill your ministry? And this isn't just a a formal discipleship. This is just doing life together with different people. And actually, I just wanted to draw out one specific area where we can disciple one another in. In 2019, I want us to team with one another in prayer. Praying with someone is a unique privilege and a pleasure. It, you're spending time with someone and with the Father. What could be better? You start to get to know people's fears, burdens, joys, pleasures, you are drawn to one another through prayer. And um, I want to encourage we, we can see through the passage we read, it started as we were going to the place of prayer. That's where they were going. And later, at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns together. Together. Who do you pray with regularly? Where do you go regularly to pray? This was their regular practice and joy. Is it your regular practice and joy? Where are you going and who are you praying with? We can have many reasons why we don't pray, can't we? And I don't want to heap burdens on you. We, as I said, the whole the song we sang, I heard, uh, played at the beginning was about grace. And I want this message to still be just laced with grace. But I'm calling you to something. And Paul encouraged people to pray. And so I'm encouraging you to pray. Paul, in that moment, 
at midnight could have had all number of reasons and excuses not to pray. His wounds were probably weeping for he had been beaten. It was midnight, he was probably just tired. It wasn't optimum circumstances, was it? But none of these prevented Paul and Silas from that privilege of just communicating with their saviour king. So this was Paul's exhortation to the Philippians in chapter 4-6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And this is the promise. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So this, this year, why don't we start as we mean to go on. Talked about setting your spiritual satnav, about being ready for those unplanned stop-offs. But why don't you plan in some stop-offs of prayer along the way? Putting that in your kind of root planner now, that you will have regular stop-offs to refuel, to come before the king, to spend time with others. Sometimes when you go on a journey, you stop off and just refuel at a service station. Why don't you stop off and refuel with a friend at a service station, metaphorically, and pray together? Let's make it our habit and our joy. Why don't, why don't we just try and break out from any moulds that you might have of how to pray. Let's uh, be creative about how we do it. Why don't you find just some other Christians in your place of work and say, why don't we meet just for 15 minutes on this day and pray for our colleagues. Locate the Christians in your neighbourhood, in your street. Suggest the same. Why don't we just pray? Just don't, don't set the bar too high if you're not praying at the moment. Just, just 10 minutes. Let's have some fun with it. Um, just build it into your everyday activities whilst driving, whilst washing up. If you pray before a meal, why don't you suggest to your partner or your family, why don't we pray after the meal as well? Why don't we just extend our meal by 10 minutes and pray at the end of the meal as well? So we actually do have some formal prayer meetings as well. Next Sunday, Saturday morning, we'll meet from about 8 to 9. We might have some pastries, we might not. I don't want that to be the only motivation. Um, but we'll just pray for an hour. They're always wonderful times together. You will not be disappointed. You will not go away going, I wish I hadn't got up for that. What a waste of time. I'm pretty much guaranteed you won't be saying that. But, you know, every week on uh, Tuesdays at 10.30, we're up there in the snug. 
a group us pray, you are so welcome to come and join that as well. We'd love you there. But throughout the week, we're just trying to just do more spontaneous moments of prayer. And, you know, for the different things, like here, revive. I think on Mondays at 8.30, we try and, if we can, we gather down here, we pray for 15 minutes, just to commit this space to God. Before Little Lights, we pray 10, 15 minutes. Food Bank, we pray in the warehouse, 10, 15 minutes each week. If you want to come and join with that, come along. If you want to start something else, you know, just one or two gathered. That's where the Lord is. Just, just encouragement to do that. So as we finish, as we consider, let's just consider those two things I mentioned. Who is God leading you today in your current circumstances? Outside of the church? And also inside the church? Why don't we just spend a moment just thinking about that? Maybe you could just make a note. Just two people that God has put into your sphere of influence. Either in, by your plan or not your plan. Who God wants to bring freedom to out there but maybe someone within this church that God is drawing you to, to disciple, to be a prayer partner, to team with in a meaningful, effective, powerful way. Let's be intentional as we go into 2019 that you're going to follow through with this. And we're going to see God use us in miraculous, wonderful ways to see his kingdom come here in Chertsey.